0: May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia, and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. We talk about the need for sleep, but there is an irony here for many with fibromyalgia. We don't always believe it. Or, we may be in such despair that it doesn't appear achievable and sustainable. Today we will continue to look at some unique challenges you are more likely to face living with fibromyalgia and related problems. For those meeting me for the first time, I am Dr. Michael Lenz, a pediatrician, an internist, and a lifestyle medicine physician. I have been a doctor for over 26 years and am the author of Conquering Your Fibromyalgia, Real Answers and Real Solutions to Real Pain. I blend the best of lifestyle medicine and medical management using an evidence-based approach. Fibromyalgia is complex and for too long has been ignored as a real problem. Deserving of honest answers and practical solutions for people struggling with pain, exhaustive fatigue, and debilitating brain fog. Sleep fragmentation and deprivation impair healthy functioning. We have learned that it occurs with sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome, and innate sleep disruptions found in many with fibromyalgia. Weight gain can lead to sleep apnea. What makes it worse for those prone to fibromyalgia is the impact sleep deprivation on food desire in the human brain. Weight gain can lead to unrefreshing sleep through the development of or worsening sleep apnea. Understanding how sleep loss and weight gain are connected is essential. A study we will look at sought to tease out the impact of sleep loss And food choices. Food choices are the most critical factors when considering healthy weight loss for the long term. For many, you can recognize the more nutritious food options, but still feel the need or desire to consume it. The recognition is similar to a smoker recognizing that the healthier option would be to not smoke, but they do it anyways. Why is that? As we understand more about how behind-the-scenes processing impacts us in our brains, we can work better to prevent this hijacking. The study called The Impact of Sleep Deprivation on Food Desire in the Human Brain sought to test two ideas that central brain processing mechanisms may lead to weight-promoting food choices following sleep loss. One hypothesis was that failure to recruit brain regions necessary for optimal evaluation of food choices leads to choosing items with greater weight gain potential. These regions are the anterior cingulate, the lateral orbital frontal cortex, and the anterior insula, also known as the prefrontal cortex. These regions are involved in making decisions. When assessing food choices as being healthy, these are the parts of the brain that say, hey, the whole food plant-based diet is good for me. For those of you who are not familiar with a whole food plant-based type diet, it is one made of unprocessed or minimally processed whole grains, as well as fruits and vegetables and legumes, which are beans, peas, and lentils, and a small amount of nuts and seeds. A second hypothesis that they had was that excessive reactivity in two brain regions is involved in signaling in a higher emotional response and assessing stimuli as more desirable. These areas may motivate the consumption of calorie-dense foods, potentially leading to weight gain. These areas are the amygdala and the ventral striatum. I hear many patients say something like this, Doc, I know what I should do, but I don't do what I know is good for me. Others may say, I am an emotional eater. Emotional eating can lead to worse outcomes, shame, and rumination on consistent failures. To tease this out, they compared the impact of sleep deprivation on activity in these brain regions. The anterior cingulate, The lateral orbital frontal cortex and the anterior insula are thought to be involved in contemplating food choices. The other amygdala and ventral stratum are more involved in the emotional, impulsive control of eating. Using special imaging studies known as functional MRI, which tracks the use of oxygen in parts of the brain that are more active, scientists can see which parts of the brain are activated more during various activities. What parts of the brain were more and less active with good rest versus sleep deprivation? Sleep deprivation decreased the appetite evaluation regions of the brain in the prefrontal cortex and insula cortex during food desirability choices. What they did was show foods that were more calorie dense and they were able to then ask how desirable those foods were. Sleep deprivation led to a higher likelihood to assess these calorie-dense but low-nutrition foods as being desirable. The findings are impressive and should make us seriously ponder the importance of sleep. Sleep deprivation leads to reduced activity in the decision-making brain centers. This is similar to the impact of alcohol consumption on decision-making and food choices. Sleep deprivation also leads to more emotional eating. They also examined whether sleep deprivation triggered increased desirability for high-calorie-dense food items. Consistent with their other findings, sleep deprivation significantly increased the proportion of wanted food items carrying higher-calorie content. These foods have a high immediate dopamine release in the brain, leading to a high reward. Not surprisingly, no corresponding differences within the sleep-deprived states were observed for low-calorie items. They had no increased desire for the low-calorie density but high-nutrition foods that had a lower immediate pleasure response. Have you ever caught yourself saying to one of your children who was asking for one of these low-nutrition but high-calorie-density food but refused to eat something healthy and say something like this to them, well, if you were really hungry, you would enjoy having a piece of fruit or some vegetables that I've taken the time to cut up for you. But they then may pout and fret and say, no, thank you, and stomp away or whine for these calorie-dense foods. While, while we as adults may not be stomping away or acting like a frustrated toddler or preschooler or younger child, we may just grab the food because we have the option. Nobody's controlling the refrigerator or the Pantry preventing us from grabbing the calorie-dense foods. But if you pause and say, well, if I really was hungry, I'd be just grabbing something healthy. But if you're sleep-deprived, you are more likely to gravitate for something that is much more stimulating to the brain. And that can be, when it comes to food, these calorie-dense items. And just like your preschooler or younger child, it ends up being a choice of one of these more calorie-dense foods that don't give us good nutrition. We get back to the study where they were looking at the impact of sleep deprivation. What impact did this have on the total calorie intake? The calorie content of all wanted items in the sleep Deprived condition was 600 calories more than in the non-sleep-deprived state. In fact, the more calorie-dense the food was, the more likely the desire for and the resultant consumption increased after sleep deprivation. So what are those calorie-dense foods? Common ones include processed and ultra-processed carbohydrates, meats, fried foods and foods with added salt, sugar, and fat. Food companies don't do you any favors with their marketing of these foods. Many of you may be stuck in the pleasure trap, where healthy foods packed full of nutrients but not necessarily calories are perceived as much less desirable. In fact, if you're eating a much more calorie-dense diet, and then you are given foods that are high nutrition but low calories, the brain will perceive them as much less pleasurable. Now, the good news is that consistent consumption of the high nutrition but low calorie foods over time will lead to much more enjoyment, and when given foods that are much more calorie-dense are much more likely to perceive them as too calorie-dense and too much intense pleasure. These are people you may have heard say, oh, that's too sweet for me, or that has too much oil, or it's too heavy, which may be surprising because you can have two people who have the exact same Foods and get completely two different assessments on how delicious or how tasty they are. These are important observations to be aware of. These findings make healthy diet choices and a resultant healthy weight much less likely for those of you who are struggling with unrestored sleep, with sleep deprivation, and other sleep problems. Unfortunately, that includes most of you who are struggling with fibromyalgia and related problems, as most have some degree of sleep difficulty. These findings support the benefits and the need to do our best to get restorative sleep. I don't mean to add more guilt or frustration to living with fibromyalgia, but I hope this gives you a better understanding. Having this insight can, at a minimum, make us understand our susceptibilities. In sports, a scouting report of the other team is done to understand their vulnerabilities. Good teams will do a scouting report on themselves to build awareness of their weaknesses. Similarly, knowing that sleep deprivation leads to poor food choices and resultant weight gain, leading to possible problems such as sleep apnea. These foods also give a feeling of short-term energy but are energy-depleting and can cause fibromyalgia-related problems like IBS and migraines. Poor energy makes it harder to get the consistent activity needed to appease the fibromyalgia dragon. Most people have experienced emotional eating, but those with fibromyalgia are much more likely to consume higher calorie-dense foods and lower consumption of fruit vegetables, whole grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds. The average person consumes about seven servings of fruit and vegetables a week. However, the average person with fibromyalgia consumes half that amount. This insight helps you understand why education is so important. In the short term, what do you do with all this information? There are many actions you can take. Make Good sleep a priority. It is vitally important. Seek diagnosis and treatment for health conditions that can cause unrestful sleep. Also, don't sabotage yourself by bringing calorie dense foods into your home. It is like having cigarettes around for someone intent on quitting. Like food, cigarettes offer short term benefits but severe long term consequences. Just how calorie dense but nutritionally poor food offers short-term emotional satisfaction but long-term health consequences. Cigarettes offer a short-term benefit but also severe long-term consequences. Sleep deprivation is also a driver of cigarette consumption and, as we've talked about, poor food choices. To make matters worse when it comes to food choices, when we eat food that does not contain the natural fiber that's found in plant foods, we don't get the feedback to our intestines and back to our brain that give us a message that we are full, that we do not need any more food. In fact, when you're eating these, you actually are more likely to want to consume more of it, creating this upward spiral of consumption of these poor food choices. In contrast, when you do eat the food that's high in fiber, you get that natural fullness in the intestines that our bodies were designed for. You also get feedback through short chain fatty acids to our stomach that tells it to empty slower, giving us a feeling of satiety. And it also goes to our brain that makes our brain less likely to assess those calorie dense foods as desirable. But what else might be happening for those struggling? with fibromyalgia, but are likely oblivious to it because it is all you know. It would be nice to be able to snap your fingers and sleep well, waking up rested and restored. You are likely aware that sleeping better would help you, but getting good sleep can be incredibly difficult if you have fibromyalgia. Additionally, it is even more challenging if you are one of the estimated 50% of those with fibromyalgia who also have ADHD. Why is that? One reason is that many with ADHD also have breastless leg and periodic limb movement disorder. And whether or not you have these, those with ADHD are likelier to have their sleep schedules flipped than neurotypical people. Instead of sleeping deeper the first part of the night and lighter the second, they are more likely to have light sleep in the first part, and difficulty falling asleep until finally achieving deep sleep around 4 a.m., but then difficulty waking up to start the next day. They are also more likely to wake up later, but due to school and work schedules, need multiple alarms or people to wake them up and start the day with lackluster energy. Some may say, I don't like to sleep. And what does someone think if they don't like to do something objectively good for them? Sleep is a waste of time. I don't need a lot of sleep. It's just hard to get sleep. Have you had similar thoughts? If you are struggling with sleep, what have you internally said? What thoughts have you come or concluded to in regard to sleep? I'd love to hear and email me at drmichaellens at gmail.com. Continuing on, during the day, you likely have a busy life to keep your brain and mind occupied. At nighttime, it may feel like it is the only time you get to explore the tasks that you love. You may override your sleep drive with these dopamine-releasing activities. Also, if you have ADHD, you are more likely to have so many more thoughts going through your mind than the non-ADHD person. Some of these thoughts may be pleasant, positive, or creative thoughts. Often they are harmful. People with ADHD are more likely to be emotional thinkers and less likely to spend longer times assessing and planning. This center, known as the amygdala, is involved in the brain's alarm system. Unfortunately, the system is more quickly and easily activated in those who have ADHD. More intense negative emotions can worsen fibro symptoms. This can result in feeling much more overwhelmed. The second question of the second part of the fibromyalgia impact questionnaire asks, how overwhelmed do you feel from zero never to 10 all of the time? For those of you who are living with fibromyalgia, it is much more likely to be in the higher level of feeling overwhelmed. If you also have ADHD and are struggling, that also is going to be in a higher level. When many of my patients who have these coexisting problems get their ADHD treated, they will report lessening of that sense of feeling overwhelmed. You can get into a downward spiraling Rumination loop that can be like quicksand that is hard to get out of. The flight or fight response is activated, sabotaging good sleep. If you fall asleep in fear, anger, or frustration, you are more likely to wake during the night and have a more challenging time self-soothing back to sleep. For those living with PTSD, reliving trauma can wrap up intense emotions while hoping for restorative sleep. Many with PTSD also have ADHD. Treatment with psychotherapy and stimulant medication can help improve sleep in those both by allowing one to focus on less distress than harmful thoughts and more on mindful, meditative, calming thoughts. For many with ADHD alone, treatment with a stimulant up to bedtime is beneficial for winding down and sleep initiation. It may seem counterintuitive because you wonder why to give a stimulant to calm down. Still, it is essential to remember that the ADHD brain doesn't lack attention, but has too much attention to many different stimuli and thoughts. When you treat ADHD, you are able to help turn off those unwanted thoughts and focus on those calming, meditative thoughts. Here are some key take-home points for you to remember from this week's episode. Sleep is vital for many reasons, but one is the impact of poor sleep on our ability to assess and make good food choices. Poor sleep allows the emotion-based part of the brain, known as the amygdala, to become overly active. The part of the brain involved in deeper contemplation of food choices, known as the prefrontal cortex, becomes less involved with our food decisions. These lead to increased consumption of calorie-dense but nutritionally poor food, which can lead to weight gain and worsening fibro symptoms. If you have ADHD and fibro, the emotional part of the brain is more involved in general, contributing to the challenges. ADHD can also interfere with the ability to wind down before bed and keep a consistent bedtime routine further aggravating fibro. We will talk more about sleep hygiene in next week's episode. Still, recognizing and treating underlying conditions will smooth the rugged upward path many with fibro are to navigate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have gained insights into understanding fibromyalgia. If you have any questions or topics you would like covered in future episodes, please email me If you have enjoyed the podcast, the biggest compliment you can give is to hit the like or follow button, leave a five-star rating, review, and share with others. That way, more people struggling with Fibro can find podcasts more easily and gain the insights that you have discovered. Until next week, go team Fibro.